Hey, uh, so, so I don't know if you've been here the last couple of weeks, but last week, um, uh, it was pretty good. And here's what I mean by that. It's my favorite part of what I said last week. Uh, that, and that's why we did that song, is this reminder is that we're not anybody's Holy Spirit. Let me clear that up for you. It's not our job to tell people how fast they need to change or, or to try to be God in, in, in their heart. That's between them, them and God. And so when I was listening to that song this, this past week, and I think the great theologian Justin Timberlake, he just absolutely nailed it. When sometimes the, you, just, you, just, you, know, you put it out there, and then the, the best thing to say is absolutely nothing at all. So we would do a lot better if we just stopped talking sometimes. So Justin, any JT fans out there? Come on. Yeah. Some of you going, who's JT? He's in the Bible. Uh, uh, no, hey, halftime show. They lost. The Patriots lost. I'm so glad. And um, so... Hey, um, and I know that people all the way on the East Coast listen to this, but yeah, here's the thing, all right, listen, um, is that, so you're sitting in one of our five campuses right now, um, so if you look around, we're going to talk about Flatirons and where we're going and stuff like that. Here's the thing to keep in mind is that however many people you see around you right now, between now and next weekend, 10 times as many people around the world listen to us online. Now, here's, here's what that means, okay? So uh, just in, in our five campuses, um, at Christmas, we're, we, we took up a collection for, for cars. This week, we gave away seven more. We're up to 35 cars we've given out. But here's the thing that's really cool, right? And, uh, and, and, and all that, yay, yay God on that. But listen, so there's, there's, a small, there's a small group that listened to us online in uh, South Fort, Colorado. That's in way along right, right? So they wrote an email to me t- today said, just want you to know. So this is a small group that listens to us a week later. Just want you to know, to share with you, that we just, we just gave our first car this week to a poor single mom who had no transportation. It was awesome. We're going to do it again. That's happening out there all over the world. So give it up for this group that are listening right now. So good. Yeah. So anyway, so if you haven't been here, so over the last couple of weeks and then for the next couple of weeks, We've been kind of, uh, kind of unpacking and talking about this idea, these two words called spiritual formation. That's what I want to talk about today. And spiritual formation is just what it looks like. Something spiritual inside of us is being formed in us into something better, right? And what we're talking about is that, is that we want to become the same kind of people, have the same kind of character that Jesus has on the inside because we think that maybe, you know, this is what Jesus said anyway, if he's on the inside, then what comes out of us might be better, might, it might be better. And so we're being, we're being formed. See, see when, when Jesus changes on the inside, the outside changes, not because we try to change and we try to want different things, but the way we've been talking about it is like, it's like our wanter is broken, like we want the wrong things. But when we don't try to want better things, Jesus changes us and that's just the, the, the outcome of that. But the, the key is this, is that something needs to change on the inside. And how does that happen, right? Because what Jesus said was this, is, is the more you get to know me, who I really am and what I really wanted and, and what I was really like and what I really said and what I really didn't say, all that. He says, the more you get to know me, it's like every time you hear more about me, it's like a seed going inside of you and then God does something with that seed and it grows and the result is this thing called life. Not just life, like I stayed alive another day, like, like abundant life, like eternal life. Jesus talked about eternal life a lot. And, and he actually gives us the definition of eternal life, which is really important because most people that I've met that go to church, they don't even know what eternal life means. They just kind of dumb it all the way down to after you die, you go to heaven instead of hell. And that's true, but what about now? Right, what about now? And so Jesus says this, this is eternal life, that they, and that's talking about us, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, last week I kind of put out this assignment, we have a memory verse. Yay, yay, Pastor Jim, we have a memory verse. And it's in your program, and I know you all memorized it this week, right? 
because you love Jesus. And so, all right, so if you didn't this week, you're gonna do it now. So all campuses, one, two, three, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And what Jesus says is that's the goal. This is why we're gonna come in here week after week. We just wanna know you more. There's a lot of bad information out there, right? We just wanna know you more. And what Jesus says is that the more we get to know him, it changes us and we become better people just by taking him in, right? So, so here's where we're going today. So if our role as role as an individual follower of Jesus, and then, you know, at Flatirons, you know, we're linking arms with some other people who are trying to run after the same thing, is that we want to take in more and more and more of Jesus, and then whatever comes out of us is not, you know, you should do this, and you ought to do this, and you're the bad people, and you're the good people, right? But just point to Jesus and go, that's who he is, that's what he said, that's what he's like, get together with him and work out your stuff, okay? That's between you and, you and God. So, so what's our role? What, we, we can't change people. We have to stop trying to change people and fix people and convert people. And, and we're, not in, we're not in charge of how fast God does stuff in, per, in a person's life. But it does bring us to this question I want to look at today, okay? If God puts seeds in people's hearts and then starts doing stuff inside of us, all right? Here's the question. What would be the best possible environment for that seed, what Jesus says is true, right? To, to have the, the best shot of actually growing. Like what's the best kind of you know, spot for that seed to actually grow if that seed is in, in us? And that's what I want to look at today. And a lot of us already have some stuff going through our head going, well, here's what I think is best. But, you know, that, and you might be right. But what, here's what, what I don't want to get stuck here like so many people do. It's like the question is not do you agree with me or do you have the right answer or I know what the, the answer to that is and I know that I need to do that or my husband needs to do that or my son or whatever. I know, no, it's not about that. It's not about what needs to happen or ought to happen in your life or somebody else's house, life. See, spiritual formation and something changing inside of us, it just doesn't happen or it slows way down depending upon how you answer this question. It's not what needs to change. The question is this, do you, do you wanna do that? Because we all have a big pile of stuff that we know we need to do. We just don't want to, right? And even if we say, you know, I, I, I do want to, are you willing to do, do it yourself, whatever it takes for, for that to change? So what I want to do is I, I, want to, I want to throw out some stuff today about, you know, I've tried to open up the word this week and figure out what, you know, what's the best possible way to do that. And, and I am not saying that, that if you don't do it my way, what I described today, then you, you won't change. And spiritually, you'll just never, ever grow. I'm not, I'm not saying that, all right? You, you might already have your way, but what, what, whatever it is, whatever you think is the best way for you to, to grow spiritually and change into a better man or a better woman, all right, none of it's going to happen no matter what you believe is the answer until you ask those questions. Are you going to do that? Whatever it is that's going through your head, right? Are you willing to do whatever it, whatever it takes to make a, a change? As a matter of fact, what I throw out here, right, you might disagree and go, I, I, I think there's a better way. Great. So what are you doing because we'd all raise our hand and go, yeah, I want, I think it would be a good idea if Jesus, I've, I was more like Jesus on the inside, okay? What are you doing to become spiritually formed into someone more like the person or the kind of person Christ is? And, and is it working? And how do you know? Who, who's, who's, who told you it's working, all right? And so here's what some of us going. Well, I just know, I just think it is. All right. So I look in the mirror every day and go, in my heart, I feel like I'm more like Jesus. Well, good for you. Is anybody else bringing it up? Like, like, when's the last time your wife or girlfriend went, hey, babe, listen, uh, there's something different about you, and it's better. You, you, that, you're kind of like Jesus. Amen? Anybody? <laughs> anybody? Anybody's kids come up and go, hey, Dad, you're like Christ. Anybody? Anybody? 
It's like, no, I just tell myself every day I'm a better, better. Well, good for you, all right? But if you're the only person saying that you're a better man or a better woman than you used to be, you might want to take notes today. That's all I'm saying and just kind of lean into this, okay? So, so we talked about this last week. The number one value around flatterers is that, is that, you know, we might quote Justin Timberlake and other great theologians, or we might, you know, quote a song or, or a movie or something like that, but this Bible is where we go to as the source of authority for truth, nothing else. It's not this and what that one teacher said. It's not this and that other book. It's this. It's the authority for our life. And so, so we, it doesn't matter. When I say, here's, a, here's a, the best environment for you to grow spiritually, it's not, it's not what Jim thinks. Who cares? I might be wrong. And it, it's not what's Flatiron's official stance on blah, 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 blah. It, it doesn't matter, all right? There's a church on every corner, okay? The question, the question is this. It's not what do I think or what do you think or what's Flatiron's all right? The question is this. According to Jesus, what did he describe as the best possible environment for spiritual formation, for something to change inside of a person so we become more like the kind of person Jesus is? What did Jesus describe as the best place for that to actually occur? And when I say according to Jesus, this just makes sense because this was all his idea, right? He had this idea called, okay, um, church. So church was, was, was in the job of, of creating an environment for, for people to change. And so if you want to know, you know what Jesus was thinking when he thought of this, this whole thing, it just seems smart to go back to the very first church, the one closest to what came out of his head and go, what did they do? Does that make sense? What did they do? Because they knew him. Like some people in this very first church we're gonna look at today had lunch with him last week. I mean, I mean they hung out with him. They, they, were, they go, hey, hey, Jesus. They, 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 they knew each other, right? And so what I wanna do is I wanna go back to the closest version of church because I mean, there's, there's all kinds of jacked up versions of church today, but let's go back to the very first version of church it started in Jerusalem where Jesus rose from the dead and then it spread out and kind of went viral across the world until it finally landed us in this place. Let's go back and go, what, what, what did they do? Because it just makes sense that they, they had some stuff figured out that maybe we lost. So let me set this up, okay? We're gonna be in a book of the Bible uh, called the Book of Acts, okay? So if, if there's free Bibles in the back of all of our uh, all auditoriums, okay? If you don't have a Bible because, you know, you didn't grow up in church and you didn't know you could get, where you get a Bible, they're in the back, all right? And they're free. Or maybe you used to have a Bible, but you gave yours away because you're like Jesus. See, there you go, all right? So you can get another one, all right? And then you can read this whole story later. I mean, really, they're there for you to take home. So, and hundreds disappear every, every, every week, okay? So you can, I don't know, eBay them. I don't, I don't care what you do. Anyway, but anyway, so let me set this up, okay? It starts in Jerusalem. Jesus is crucified right outside Jerusalem. He's laid in a tomb, and three days later, he rises from the dead. The dead. Everybody heard that story, right? Easter, okay? So, so he rises from the dead. About six weeks later... Okay, about 40 days later, he gets all of his followers, and most of them had, had, had you know, quit and run, but he gets, uh, gets him, his followers up on a hill outside of Jerusalem. And I don't know, there's, there's some people say like probably about 100 people, probably 30 of them were named Mary. It's so confusing, like everybody named their kid Mary. But anyway, but anyway, so they're outside on this hill, and Jesus says, okay, I'm leaving. I told you I was gonna leave, and today's the day. I'm gonna return to my father. So here's, here's kind of the marching instructions until I get back, all right? Here's what I want you to do. First of all, I just want you to, to, to you know, go back into town and just wait. I'm gonna do something. But after that, I want you to just leave Jerusalem. I want you to go where? To the ends of the earth, and here's what I want you to do. Just tell people what I told you. What I taught you, teach them. What I done in you, kind of let, let that out. If I didn't teach it to you, don't make it up. It makes it worse. 
All right, just, just whatever I've taught you, go do. Whatever you saw me do, tell people about that. And then here's what's gonna happen. That's like seed going into people's hearts. And then, then God is gonna do something in their heart and then it's gonna grow. And when they come to a point where they go, you know what, I actually have confidence that Jesus is who he said he is, then he, do this. Baptize them as an outward display or outward symbol of what's happening inside of their heart. And then don't quit, link arms with them and then just go on to the next town. All right, and just plant more seeds and keep on going. How long should, should we do that? Until you're dead or I come and get you to the very end of, of, of the age, okay? And so Jesus said, Everybody, everybody's clear on the plan. That's my church, all right? And then three, two, one, blast off. And he left. 2,000 years and, and counting, okay? He could come back at any time, but, but it's been 2,000 years and that's what he told us to do. So Jesus raised from the dead. About six weeks later, he returns to heaven. About 10 days later, all right, God keeps his promise. The promise Jesus made right before he was arrested, he said, listen, when I'm, I'm gonna leave, and they all said, please don't leave us. Please don't leave us, all right? No, it's better that I leave because if I leave, my father will send his own spirit. And, and, and let me tell you what's better than being with me, having me in you. You gotta think about it. These guys had the best small group ever, <laughs> right? The, better, the best teacher ever. So Jesus, how was the world created? Well, the first thing I did, I mean, he was a, he was a great, 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 great teacher. And you know what? They, jack, they jack, jacked up everything. They screwed up over and over and over until Jesus came and lived inside of them. So Jesus with you is one thing. Christ in you, ah, that changes everything. I'll give you an example. So there's this guy named Peter, okay? So the last time we really saw Peter, the most memorable moment was, um, it was the night Jesus was arrested and he's by a campfire and this little girl walks up to him and goes, hey, uh, weren't you friends with Jesus? He cusses out the little girl and runs away. That's our founder right there, okay? So he's kind of a coward. He really is a hothead and a coward until, and he's still rough around the edges for several years, but until Jesus the spirit of Jesus comes and lives inside of him and something changes. It's like he becomes a different guy, a better one. He has courage and boldness. So here's what he does 10 days after Jesus leaves. He gets some buddies and they go, let's go back into town. They walk back into Jerusalem, all right? They walk back into the temple. They walk back into the room where just about eight weeks ago, there was a trial and Jesus was convicted of treason. And they said, we sentence you to death and they nailed him to a cross. And then they told everybody else, if you even mention his name again, we'll nail you to a cross. That room. Peter walks back into the same room and he goes, uh, excuse me, can I have your attention? I don't know, I made that up. All right, so, so hey, listen, so, my name is, hi, I'm Peter. So, and hi, Peter. So, all right, so anyway, so then he says, so we, we've all grown up in the same religious system where, you know, this whole temple was built believing that one day God would send someone to us who would, who would take away our sin and, and be like the ultimate sacrifice and then reconnect us back to God. Remember that? It's called the Messiah. And they all went, yeah, we all went to the same school. We all studied the same Bible. What, yeah, what's your point? Well, he, he did it. God sent his Messiah, his name's Jesus. You might remember him because about eight weeks ago, you nailed him to a cross. And their response was, ah, that's not good. That's not good. We didn't know. We didn't know. And then, then Peter says this, listen, God's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. As a matter of fact, this is what he's willing to do. He's willing to allow what Jesus did on a cross to count, to pay for your sin and take away your condemnation. You know, we kill goats and sheep in this building by the thousands every year. It doesn't work. But what Jesus did on a cross, you put your confidence in him and it's all good. And it says that that very first, that's the very first church service ever. And at the very first church service ever, 3,000 people went, I'm in. They bumped into Jesus and says, I want him. I, I want him. And it says that 3,000 people were baptized on the, in the first church service ever. Now, you gotta you got think about this, okay? The very first church ever was huge. Like, I think Flatirons is big. And it is. This church is bigger than the town I grew up in. 
okay? The church I grew up in, it was like, um, it was like the first three rows of each campus on Easter, big crowd, 50, all right? All right? Was, I mean, that was, that was huge, all right? The very first church was, was so, so big. You know, a lot of people go, I don't like big churches. Man, you're gonna hate heaven. It's big, all right? But anyway, but... But the very first church thing, so it says that 3,000 people were baptized. Now, here's the thing. Culturally, I just made that up. That's pretty good. All right, so <laughs> culturally, back then, they only counted the men. Don't email me. I wasn't in charge. Okay, so they only counted the men. So 3,000 men were baptized culturally. Probably most of them were married and had some kids. So it's very possible that the very first church ever was somewhere between three and 10,000 people. It's It's huge. I don't like the mega word, but whatever it is, but it was, it was big, all right, right? So, so, so 10,000 people in Jerusalem, it's hard to hide. They're, they kind of stick out. We'll get to that in a minute. So, so but these 10,000 people, they, they bump into Jesus and they have the same goal back then that we have now. We want something to happen inside of us spiritually so what, who we are is formed into something better, kind of like Christ, so that whatever we ask of God, he actually can trust us to give it, give it to us. So, so here's the question I want to look at. So how'd they do it? How did the very first Christians pursue spiritual formation, becoming people more like Christ when, when the first church started? That's what I want to look at. So we're going to be in the book of Acts. Some of you went and got Bibles. If not, get, get one later. It's going to be here on the screen and stuff like that. But Acts, uh, so you have Matthew. That's where Jesus was born. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are like the, the biographies of the gospels, all right? And then the book of Acts. Acts is short for actions. The actions of the very first followers of Jesus. The actions of the very first church. There, there was not a church, and then there was a church. And this is the actions of that church. And then that, what that church did, the activities that actually went and planted churches here and here and here and here and here and here and Colorado. All right, eventually that's how far, far it goes, okay? So the question is, what they do? They bumped into Jesus. They met him in that temple. When Peter says, this is who Jesus is, this is what God offers you, and they went, we're in. This is all they know. Like two days ago, Jesus who? Today, I, I, I need him. Okay, so what did they do so they could grow? So that's what I want to look at. It says this, they, and that's that 3,000 men and their families, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I'll, I'll unpack this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and they devoted themselves to the presence. So I want to break that down because churches, all right, I don't know if you grew up in church or not. I did, whatever. Churches do a lot of stuff and, and most of it's okay. Some of it's just downright weird. Okay, let's be honest, all right, right? So let's go back to, let's get all the weird stuff out of the way and go, well, what'd they do at first? So let's do that, okay? So what did they do? The, the very first Christians, they devoted themselves to, first of all, the apostles' teaching. And the apostles are simply the disciples the disciples before Jesus went back to heaven, after become the apostles, okay? So now they've been commissioned and, and sent out. Except for Judas, that didn't go well. Different story. But anyway, but, so the, the first Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? It means that they would go to this place and then Peter or Andrew or somebody, they, they would stand up and go, okay, this is who Jesus was. We were with him, all right? This is what he said. I, I heard him say it. This is what Jesus did, all right? This is what Jesus promised. Like, like one time we were out in this boat and a storm came and Jesus stood up in the boat and said, stop it. And it just went calm, freaked us out. That's what he did, all right? Another time we got out of a boat and, and, and somebody brought this girl that was caught, you know, ha having an affair. They took her and they threw her at his feet and they wanted, they wanted Jesus to throw the first stone. And you know what? He wouldn't do it. He protected her. That's the kind of Jesus he was. And people were like, tell us more. We weren't there. We don't know him. Just tell us more. We want to eat him up. We want more of him inside of us. So they devoted themselves to, I want to know who Jesus is. Followed by this, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And that's just a, a 
Bible word, uh, the Greek word is koinonia. Here's, they devoted themselves to grabbing hands with one another. The way, I, the way we would say it, we say it all the time, is they linked arms. And koinonia means we pledge to do life together. We're, we're on the same team. We got gotcha. you. Right? We, we, will, we will hang out together. We will, we will live and we will share life together. So I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to follow Jesus. And, and, and I heard you are too. I, I don't do well on my own. Do you want to try to maybe help each other follow, follow Jesus? That's, that's the fellowship, all right? They also devoted themselves to, to the breaking of bread. And they, they did eat a lot of meals together. And we'll get to that in a minute. But this is a reference to, on, on the night Jesus was arrested, it was Passover, which is a huge uh, Jewish celebration where they celebrated going through the desert back when they were slaves, all right? And, and Jesus says, hey, everything of bread, take a piece of bread. And then he blew their mind and went, so this is going to represent my body from now on. And they had no idea what he's talking about. And everybody drinks some wine, and this is my blood. And you got to think, they went, what? It, it didn't, and what are you talking about? It didn't make sense until the next day when they saw Jesus hanging on a cross. And they went, oh. Because here's what Jesus knows about those people, because they're just like us and, and today. There was a time in our life where we thought we were good with God, and then we screwed up really bad, and we, we thought God said, I unforgive you. Go back to hell. Do not pass go, Right? It's like, it's like he, he was just done with us. Jesus says, listen, you're going you're gonna to think that my grace isn't enough. So here's what I want you to do. And they did this all the time. I want you to take some bread. And I want you to take some wine. I want you to eat and drink. And remember, I pay for everything. I give you grace. I give you forgiveness. And it is endless. My grace is more than everything you need. And you're going to forget that. So devote yourself to the breaking of bread. Right? Here's the other thing. They devoted themselves to the prayers. And you know what that means? They prayed. He said, no, no, they, not, not like us, okay? Not like me. They actually spoke to God, get this, and they heard from him. I don't do that very well. I don't speak to God. And you know what I do? I speak at God. Typical prayer. Hey, God, here's 12 things I need you to do, and you didn't do the 10 I gave you yesterday, all right? In Jesus' name, amen. Click, I hang up the receiver, right? That's, that's prayer. They didn't do that. They, they, they actually believed that God was right here. And you could talk to him and hear from him because the number one thing Jesus said was the kingdom of God, the presence of God is not on a cloud far away and after your funeral, you'll go over to pearly gates and you'll meet him someday. No, God is right here, right here around you and in you and, and, and you can have an intimate relationship with him every day. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you had that kind of relationship, if I had that kind of relationship, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my wife and I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm gonna say the wrong thing. Or that. Hey, honey, wait. Got it, Jesus. And then I say the right thing. Wouldn't that just be great? I, that's never happened. But wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if I could just go, you know, I'm so tight with God, I hear his voice, and I don't say stupid, as stupid stuff anymore. All right? That, they, they did that like every day. And here's the result. Look at this. All and amazement, you know, came upon every soul. Every time they get together, Jesus blew their mind again. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Those are the disciples. And listen, and all who believed, what do you mean believe? Had some level of confidence. The different levels, just enough going, you know, I, I believe a little bit or a lot. Jesus is who he said he is and, and he will keep his promises to me, all right? They were together and they had all things in common. Now let me explain what this means, all things in common. They, they were selling their possessions, their, their stuff, and they, they were selling their belongings and then taking the money and distributing the proceeds to all as any had needs. And day by day, attending the temple. So they didn't just do it every once in a while. They just go over and over and over. We, we don't know anything about Jesus. And we want to know him. And we want more of him inside of us. They, they would go to the temple together and then breaking bread in their homes. Here, here's, here's how their life changed. They received their food 
with glad and generous hearts. They stop taking anything for granted and going, God, everything I have is God's. I'm not taking this for granted anymore. And they were praising God and, and having favor with all the people. I'm gonna talk about that in, in just a minute. Now look at this last, this last line. And, and the Lord added to their number. That church grew day by day. All right, now I just want to, who, who made that church grow? The Lord. All right, you know what? You know who didn't? Well, Peter was a phenomenal communicator. Sometimes when James teaches, I don't like and I find out and I, I leave before it even starts. Or, or the, the band at the temple that day rocked my face off. It was just, it was just amazing. I don't even know if they had a band, all right? They didn't have lights. I know that's true, all right? So, so the Lord was doing something in this church and it was growing, 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 growing and more and more and more people were connected to God. Now, I, I, I don't wanna rush through what we just unpacked, the very first church ever, because you gotta put it in context and you go, well, that was a long time ago. It was easier back then. Eh, not true. Do you know where that just happened? It happened um, in a city that had just, in that city had executed Jesus because he claimed there's a better way to connect with God than what everybody else said was true and the way to, to connect with God. And they threatened anybody, if you even say his name, will kill you. It happened in a country, Rome, the Roman Empire had invaded that country and the Roman military was run by a guy named Caesar who thought he was God. And if you said anybody else was God and worshiped anybody else, they would nail you to a cross. It happened in a city where there were thousands of crosses lining the roads, not just three on Calvary. There were thousands. Anybody that spoke back to Rome got nailed to a cross. They'll tax you into poverty. Everybody was starving to death. And in the middle of all of that mess, you had like 10,000 people linking arms and going, the only thing we have in common with one another is this one day, we, didn't, we weren't expecting it, we bumped into Jesus and part of him got inside of us and it's changing us and now we just wanna link arms and, together and learn more. So they came together in a big group, all right? And then they went home, but on the way home, they grabbed something and went, did you understand that? Come to my house. And they sat around and they actually did life together. And the result was this. And the Lord added to their number every day those who were being saved. Now, I have a theory about this. And you don't have to believe this. This is just my idea. I think I'm right, but you don't have to believe this, okay? I think, and here's why I believe this, because it's the same as flat irons, all right? And here's what I mean, all right? I think that that church grew so fast and so big. I don't think it had a lot to do with people showing up because they were shopping for a new religion. I don't think they were shopping for a better theology or I don't like my old version of God. I'm looking for a new God to worship, something like that. I'm sure there were people like there that they were frustrated with their religion and were looking for something better. See, here's what I think. I think most of the people that showed up at that church, and I think that most of the people that show up at Flatterns is the same thing, all right? We're actually trying to find out what is this? Who are these people that, that do stuff like that? right? Like, like, I, like in my neighborhood, like, like last night, okay? I had the worst night last night. I got some really bad news delivered to me. You know what changed my, changed my night last night? My wife texts me and goes, there's somebody shoveling our, our sidewalk and driveway. Thank you. I don't know who you are, but you know what? It's just like, who does that? And, and, and who lives like that? And he said, well, that was minor. I'm telling you, when I pulled in my driveway last night, I was ready to just keep on driving because life's hard, isn't it? And you get bombs dropped on you. And just a little thing like that, who, who cares? And I think that they, they showed up to go, and I, I want to see people, because you know what? That didn't happen in my life. In my, in my old religion, nobody helped anybody. Nobody shoveled a walk. Nobody helped anybody. You were on your own. If you did something wrong, they just kicked you out. Anybody been to that church? 
Or how about this? You find out later, and, and, and as you keep on reading about this church, is that, you know, you, I have $2 and you don't have any dollars. Here, you can have one of my dollars. Hey, you don't have any food. You know, I have food. Why don't you eat dinner at my house? Hey, they nailed your dad to a cross. I'm, I'm a pretty good dad. Why don't you bring your kids over to my house? And they live life together. I, I, I don't know. This is, I'm going to make this part up. All right. May, maybe, you know, several years into this church, maybe they thought, you know what? Let's celebrate Let's celebrate Jesus' birthday. How about we do this? Let's put a, a box out in the lobby of the temple, right? And let's put some money in there. Let's buy some donkeys and carts for single moms. How about that? I, I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe we weren't the first ones to think that up, all right? And I, I, think, I think that people showed up at that church the same reason some of you showed up. I was just checking this out. Who, who lives like this? Who, who does that? I, I, you find out in other places, like, like maybe, maybe there's this, this, this man or this couple, this family in this church, and, and they say, you know what? God's doing something in our heart, and you know what? We, we are willing to leave everything and everyone we know, comfort, country, town, whatever that is, because there's some people in that part of the world, and I don't know them. I just heard that they think God hates them, and God did something. We're, we'll go, and that church said, we'll, we'll pay your bills. And that, 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 who does that? Here's what I think... Some of you are here, and here's why I think people actually showed up there, okay? Some were looking for God, but I think some would go, let's find out what, there's the word, what kind of people these are. Because these people don't exist anymore. What kind of people do this? And you know what? These kind of people, they actually act like they want to live like this. Not like a lot of us grew up going to church, going, oh, I gotta go to church, it's Sunday. If we don't, we'll go to hell. We gotta have communion. If we miss one, we're back in hell, you know, and we have to do this, we have to do this. Remember, remember that? We got to sing the horrible songs and oh, stand up, sit down, sit down, right? Because that's, that's like, that's religion. It's like, who, these people actually like it. They like to give their food away. They showed up and says, come and see. We just want to go and see these people. And while they're there, they bumped into Jesus and something happened in their heart. They came to see what was going on and they never left. And that's how some of us got here, Right? Now, now here's, what, here's what I just described, because I'm setting you all up for, for where I'm going here, okay? So, so this is what just happened in this first church. They would come together in big places, like big, 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 big rooms, big temples, big fields and stuff like that. And the biggest building in town at that time was the temple. And since they all grown up going to temple, they said, let's just meet here. Eventually they get kicked out. But they say, let's just meet over here because there's like 10,000 of us. Where are we going to meet? We're going to meet in the courtyard of, of the temple. And they would come together and then Peter or somebody else would go, okay, so there's this one time I was with Jesus and we were walking down the road and this happened and this happened. And this is what he actually said. Like, it's, like, it's like corn going into ground and all the farmers go, well, I understand that. So and that was the apostles teaching, all right? So this is what he did, this is what he said, this is what he promised. Now you have to catch this, big group of people. So just imagine whatever campus you're in, you're, sent, you're in a field, big field, okay? But then everything else that happened after that, everything else happened in that church in groups meeting in homes. That's it. We go together in this temple over in the corner. This is what Jesus said. And then you know what? You're gonna get really specific. How about this? Everything else happened in groups meeting in homes and sitting in a circle around a table eating food. It's biblical, right? I mean, think about this. How many stories in the Bible start like this? And Jesus was reclining at a table. And the answer is most of them, all right? So there's this one time Jesus reclined at a table and somebody dipped a, uh, you know, the bread into there with him and Jesus said this to them. One time Jesus was reclining at a table and this, this woman came in and started crying and her tears fell on his feet and he wiped. One, one time there's, there's this, this time Jesus reclined at a table with this guy named Zacchaeus and the religious people sent a, sent a message in going, why does Jesus hang out with bad people like that? 
How many times did all this happen? And so he would sit at tables and he would pour his life into, into, into these men going, listen, I'm leaving eventually and you're gonna be in charge. And when it wasn't a table, it was a, in a, a campfire or it was just walking down the road. I'll, I'll give you an example of this, okay? So, so again, if you weren't here, listen to last week, but here's, here's the story I told, is that Jesus has a, has a huge crowd one day. All right, big field, thousands and thousands of people. And then Jesus does what only Jesus can do. He takes this truth grenade and goes boom and boom and people run for the hills. He says, this is what is true. And people went, you know what? I don't like that. That hurts my feelings. That hurts my heart. I don't like to think about God like that. And I, I, don't, I don't like you. I think you're a bad person. Go get the kids out of the kids field and we'll meet at the donkey you know, parking lot and we will never come back to this field again, all right? So it happens every week. All right, so, all right, so, so Jesus, Jesus has a big crowd and he says something hard in a big crowd and a bunch of people leave, almost everybody. And then he looks down here at his 12, 12 guys that are in, kind of in his circle and goes, come here, I need to talk to you about that. So, so I just taught that all those thousands of people, but let me explain to you what, what I was trying to co communicate. And something happens, maybe in all those guys' hearts, but something happens in Peter's heart. It just, the light goes on, the aha moment, the, it clicks. And, and when Jesus explains what he was trying to teach everybody, this is, this is my paraphrase of, of last week. Peter says something to the effect of, hey, I now know who you are, Jesus. You're God. I, 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 didn't, I thought maybe, but I now know that you're, you, Jesus, you're God. And your words, when you speak, you, you, you make it possible for me to believe. I, I didn't think it was even possible. I had no confidence whatsoever that anything good was, hap was gonna happen in my life. But when you speak, I actually am starting to have confidence that it's possible for me to know and experience eternal life. Where else am I gonna go, Jesus? You're the one that's actually making God make sense. Where else am I gonna go? See, see, Jesus had just taught all that to all those people, but what Peter missed in a big room or a big field like this happened in, in a small circle. And if you wanna back up a couple of years before this, so the first time that Jesus meets Peter, he's standing in a boat throwing nets out. There's no, he's a horrible fisherman, all right? Every time Peter's fishing, he doesn't catch anything until Jesus gets involved and then boom, it all, all happens, all right? So, so Jesus looks at him and, and Peter's really frustrated with his life. He goes, hey, Peter, listen, stop this, all right? Leave this behind. Follow me and I will turn you into a different kind of person. And Peter had no idea what he what he was talking about. Jesus did though, this. This is what he's talking about. Jesus said, you just hang out with me and I'm gonna do something inside of you and you're gonna be a different man. I, this is what he's saying. Hey, J Peter, and this is what he's saying to us. Hey, just watch what I teach. Watch what I do in a big room, in a big crowd, in a big field, okay? And then when all those people go home, we're gonna go sit around a campfire or whatever. We're gonna unpack in a circle around a table or a campfire and here's what's gonna happen in that, in that circle, all right? My word in you will change you. Because things happen in big rooms and fields and different things happen sitting around tables. Isn't that true? Uh, so there's this guy named Andy Stanley, fantastic pastor uh, back in Atlanta. He's been kind of a, just a, a hero to me, all right? And, and I believe he's the one that, that came up with this phrase, at least the best I can tell, Andy Stanley is the first one who said this, but see if this makes sense. We learn in rows, we grow in circles. Boom, that's money. Uh, that, we just close and go home, right? That, let's do that, right? We learn in rows. That's what we're doing, right? We're taking in stuff right now, but things happen, different things happen in circles. Like, like let me explain on that. So we learn, we learn about like the, we take in the words of, 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 of Jesus, right? That's called the apostles' teaching. 
okay? That's what I'm doing. This is what Jesus said. This, one time he did this. One time he said this is true, and it's still true for us today. This is the apostles' teaching. We learn this. We take in a lot of information out of what Jesus said. But we grow... And we, we see and experience real change in smaller circles when we get out of this place and sit around a table or in, in somebody's house. I'm not saying we don't grow here. I mean, we, all, we grow here. But something different happens at a table that doesn't happen in here. And so here's where, here's where I want to go. Is that still possible? And what would like an Acts 2, like first century version of church, what would that look like today? So let me ask you this, how did this group even come to be? And, and somebody explained, because you call this group Bushway, all right? And so how, whose idea was this and uh, kind of to pull this thing together? It started out of a church thing, um, Men's Frat. They had a big teaching section and we all went, we watched it all. And then after the teaching thing, we broke into small groups. And that was just how it started. Okay. And then after... A while, men's frat was canceled, and we just kept meeting. And we just kind of came, became our own little independent group that met at a, at a, yeah, La Familia, a restaurant. We just kept meeting. Okay, so what's Bushway mean? It goes back to the 1820s, 1840s, as far as the, the history of the rendezvous. <clears throat> mountain man trapping in the mountains, <clears throat> getting all his furs, uh, coming down at the end of the season and they have to sell all their furs. So um, in that course of, of gathering, well, there always had to be somebody in charge of this rendezvous that somebody had to go to, set things up. Well, that person's called the bourgeois. So okay. basically, he's the leader. So think, as things have changed over the years. Like, what, what do you all do? You get together on a Wednesday morning, now you meet at a coffee shop, right? You kind of take over the back half of that. Is there a format? Is there an official leader? How do you know what you're gonna do week to week? The way that describes what we do the best is we have compassionate care and courage together. And we have this huge thing that's like middle school boy humor. <laughs> and, and that's really important. That may be the most important part of it because we're real and we're honest and I'm sure we make Jesus wince sometimes, but I'm also pretty sure he's laughing while he's wincing because it's powerful and profound and it keeps us all connected in really amazing ways. And so it's not just a church group and it's not churchy, not church at all. I can't even tell you the stories of the things that have happened. Probably should. No. <laughs> see, the cameras can't see, but no one has pants on right now. <laughs> A lot of you been in church, uh, I don't, years, you know, how is this making a difference? What value does this bring beyond a weekend service or something like that that's different, unique, better? We all have church for, for one hour every, every weekend. I feel like we have this group 24-7. If we need something, if we want to talk to somebody, um, it's, it's a permanent fixture in our lives that we can go to. We had different um, activities that we did for people who were in need and um, there was a closeness that that brought together with uh, all of us to commit to it so so service is a component of the thing very strong one yeah because yeah. it's it's then as one steps up it, it the other step up in the group and, and it's it's amazing how it occurred because then we saw how uh, what a group can do 
is so much more effective than what one person can do. Just doing life with good men is encouraging to me and makes me second guess my decisions throughout my day, throughout my week. Because I know there's 20 some other men that I'm doing life with. There's a standard that's being set, uh, an example for me to follow. I lost my son in 2012 and someone invited me to the group. <clears throat> and the way that all came down was uh, they asked how I was doing. And I said, I'm, I'm good. My wife has a great support system. And, uh, they, and he said, what about you? And uh, so he told me about the group. And I thought I'd go for a couple times and that would be it. And here it is six years later. And uh, it's the best thing I ever did for myself. But one of, one of the toughest times in my life was when my son was in the hospital. And every single one of these men came to, uh, to check on him and see him. And they really know how to support well and, and, and show you they care. And we've all been there for, for, for everybody in this group and I'm in a different season of life than probably most of the guys sitting around the table, but it's been really good for me to have uh, a family because I don't have any biological family, if you will, in the area that these are the guys too. I mean, I'm over at Cluck's house on Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter, and um, I've got a group of guys too. I just got back from Africa last night and they're praying for me the whole time I'm there. And um, there's just something to feeling that family, that love from a group of guys that I've never experienced before in any other church kind of group setting. I think the lonely guy sitting out there in the auditorium um, is thinking like all humans do. No one's like me. No one thinks like me. No one's as messed up as me, right? And this group instantly reminded me that we're all pretty much messed up in the same ways, right? So um, that guy out there is not alone. Uh, but that's what we all think when we're sitting out there alone. This takes that away. We're all lost and we're all broken to some degree. And, and uh, we don't hold judgment against one another. Uh, we try and uh, hold accountability, um, but we, we move forward like that because we're, we've all got our stuff. Yeah. We most definitely have our stuff. And it's over time, we're able to risk sharing that stuff with the rest of these guys because it's a safe environment. I think to a certain extent, our group is uh, an extension to apply what we learn on Sundays. So whatever we learn on Sundays, uh, we can come to this group and we know someone's already gone through what you've talked about um, because everyone is at different stages, different seasons, whether it's death and grief, whether it's suicide, whether it's a marriage, whether it's parenting, no matter what the issue is, we can come in here and apply what we've learned on Sunday, and this is our second church. And uh, we're just a band of brothers that link arms and do life together. So let me, let, me, let me tell you what's happening right now. It's happened all weekend. It's happening thousands of times over and over right now. And uh, there are thousands of people sitting in a campus right now going, I would give anything to have that. Quickly followed by, I probably can't though. Yeah, me too. Listen, I, I didn't think it was possible, especially in church, to, to actually find people that you could trust. I don't, I'm not a big fan of church. This is the only one I like. It really is. And uh, I, I've said this before. I would not be the pastor of this church. I would not be married to Robin. I would not be sober. I, I don't think I'd be alive if I did not link arms with some men who speak really hard truth in my life. 
Because men, let's be honest, men, the most dangerous thing in the world is a frustrated, bored man in isolation. That's when we jack everything up, isn't it? And I think I speak for the ladies too. So do you, right? So uh, I, I'm alive because of it. And just be honest with yourself. Don't you want that? Don't you want it? See, um, so when Robin... Um, the loneliest place sometimes is church. And when Robin was in their deepest depression, you know what I needed? I did not need Christians to fix her or give us advice or tell us if we had more faith or if we maybe confessed some sin, maybe God would, I didn't need it. You know what I needed? What she needed, she just needs someone just like, I got the kids today. And she didn't have the strength to ask. I need someone to shovel my sidewalk. I need, she needed, because I left, she needed someone to just come sit on the couch with her. We, we, we've got doctors, we've got medicine. You know what we didn't have? Friends. We, we learn in rows. And you know what? I think we do rows pretty well here at Flatirons, but we grow and change in circles. I'll be honest with you. I think we have a big church full of lonely people. And it just can't keep going like this. This is too important. I, so I was, I was talking to my friend Jake the other day. He's the one that gave me that Andy Stanley quote. And, he, and he, we were talking about the future of this church. And he said, hey, Jim, so, you know, as we, we, as we plant campuses, you know, up and down the front range and then across Colorado and then across the country and then, I don't know, all over the world, whatever, so that everybody has a chance to bump into Jesus and then take him in so he can discover what he can do in a person's life. As, as we do that, here's the question he asked. Hey, Jim, which do we need more? Do we need more rows or do we need more circles? Do we need more campuses with rows of people listening to you, Jim, or do, do we need more people meeting in groups? And you know what I told him? Yes, both, both. Why do we have to choose? I, I refuse to choose. I want both because I need both. One's okay. Both are life-changing, right? So, so this entire series has, has been based on asking a bunch of what-if questions based on if you could catch a vision for your life and then if you could link arms with some other people with the, with the same vision, what, what would happen? Like, what if, all right? So, so let me give you, let me throw a couple out. So last week we looked at this metaphor Jesus used saying that sometimes when he speaks and the truth, we hear it, it's like, it's like seed going into this dirt and it's like life. It's like, I've been waiting for this my whole life. It's like water. It's like food. It's like, it's, it's, I was going to die. And then this, God said this to me. And now that part of my life's coming alive. It's like, and it just grows. You have those moments it's so like you came in here going, how did you know that's exactly what I needed to hear? So sometimes that happens. Here's other times, all right? Sometimes we sit in rows and stuff like that, and God says, I want to talk to you about something that's true about you, and the seed does not go in. It goes boom, and it bounces off like concrete because we've got a shell around our heart. And you know what? I'm a, I, understand, I get it. There's some of us, we have so much concrete and armor around our, our heart. You know why we did it? Because we would be dead if we didn't. There's times in our life we had to toughen up and put a shell around our heart to, to protect ourselves. Because if not, it's going to be one more person that stomped on it, broke, on, broke it, abused it, trashed it, lied to it, and we just wouldn't make it. And so we had to toughen up or we wouldn't be here. So we have armor around our heart. I get it. Me too. It's just a sucky way to live. Because right? armor around your heart, if you die like that, you die in prison. And so there comes a point in your life, and maybe today, I don't know, that's between you and God, but maybe if that would just crack open a little bit, maybe that truth would come in. But there's a reason why you go, God, not today, not, not now, but what if? 
All right, what, 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 if, what if you had a group of people that you actually trusted? And that, right, you know, I could stop right there. I have grown up in church. Safe people and church are on different planets for me. The meanest people I've ever met in my life are Christians. Christians destroyed my, my dad. Broke my mom's heart. So when you go, yeah, some people are trusted at church, and I don't you know who I trust? The guy I pay 150 bucks an hour to, right? Because at least he's safe. But what if? What if you had a group of people that you actually trusted where you could take what you heard on the weekend in rows and unpack what it would mean for you, not just if you believed it, because we all walk out going, I, I guess I believe that, but, but if that truth started growing in your life. What if, what if Jesus said something about you in one of these rows one of these weeks and you went, what if that's true? What if I am that good? What if I'm that kind of a woman? What if that kind of possibility as a dad or a man or whatever that is, is possible for me? What if you could take that to a group and go, okay, this is gonna sound weird, but here's what I think Jesus is telling me about my life. What if you were surrounded by people going, we, we agree with you, we agree with God. We think that's possible for someone like you and we will cheer you on and we will fan that flame and we'll pour water on it. What do you need us to do so that you can become the man or woman that God, what, do you think it'll make a difference? Now, how about this? All right, what, what if you had a, here he is, a safe group of people that you trusted enough to also unpack why even what Jesus says might be true for other people, but you could unpack why you can't believe that it's true for you because there's a reason. What, and you know what? To say that reason out loud, risk everything, right? For the first time I ever trusted men in the church, in my mind, this is what I did. I'm, I'm gonna tell, I'm, I'm not gonna tell you, I told these men. So, <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you something about myself. And this is the metaphor I had in my, in, in my mind. I'm going to hand everybody a bullet and then just wait for you. You're probably going to kill me. You're going to finish me. And they didn't. You know, they, I, they didn't fire bullets back. They fired grace back. What, what if you were to say, let me tell you why I have a hard time with God or why I'm mad at Jesus or, or why I have a hard time saying that's true about, because how could you be like that? And then that happened, all right? What if, what if you were met not with, well, you should have more faith and you should get over that and you should be moving on by now. And you know, you, you don't need medicine and you don't need this and you should have blah, blah, ugh, stop, all right? What if you just had a bunch of people going, you know what, we got you, work it out. We won't throw stones at you, we won't beat you up, we won't shame you or guilt you or anything like that. What if we just said, you know what, we won't fight you, we'll fight for you. And you and God can fight through anything and you can wrestle through anything and we will be here for you no matter what. What if, what if, what if they said, we're not gonna give up on you until you finally experience what God wants for your life? Now the question is, would that make a difference in anybody's life? Could it? Could it how's it going now? Right? Could that be better? And why, why stop there? Let's go. All right. So what if we had 20 or 30,000 people right now sitting up and down the front range, okay, in a Flatirons campus, hearing what I'm saying right now, out of that book right there, all right? What if between now and next weekend, all of them or most of them gathered in, in a circle around a table or in a booth or in a bar or in a coffee shop or whatever that is, and somebody goes, you know what? What Jim said is true, that Jesus said is true about me. Do you believe that? Because how, I don't understand. Can you unpack that with me, all right? What would it mean if like, if, if, if like, all of us started doing that. Would it make a difference? I'll, I'll give you even further. What if most of us did that? You know what? I'm going to give you a typical church in America, right? You know who does anything outside of this? Like 10% of the people who go to church. 90% of people sitting here right now, this is the only thing we're going to do. And 10% people, they do something else. They do five things usually. And then they, they, they email me and complain why there's not six. 
I'll hear about that, I'm sure, right? right? But what, what if most of us, we said, well, I'm not gonna do that or do that or do that or do that, but you know what I am gonna do? I'm, I'm gonna just get together with a few other people and go, what does that mean? So would, would that make a difference in you and in this church and in the world if, if most of us did that? So do we need rows or circles? Both. Both, because one leads to the other, right? And what if that became so important that rows and circles are all we do? And we just say, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna do that. It's a good thing. Other churches do that. We don't do that. We do rows and circles, all right? So the question then is, even if you agree with that, do you wanna do that? Meaning, does it have enough value? Because the only things that you have time for are really valuable things. And you just looked at that group of men up there going, that, that, that's valuable. It's probably not accessible to me, but if I had that, right? So values drive everything we do at Flatirons. The number one value is the Bible, all right? Then we reconnect to God through Jesus as our second value here, all right? We've had seven values. I think that's just too many. So I'm, I'm gonna combine three into, into one. It just streamlines the whole thing, okay? So here's what we've been t- talking about. Intentional apprenticeship, right? We've been talking about this for years. The training process of becoming the same kind of person as Jesus. You know, becoming like Jesus is, I just don't do that very well. I don't run marathons. I don't become like Jesus. You know what they both take? Training. And after several years or decades, I'm closer, all right? So where does that happen best? How about authentic community? Life and growth happen best in a Me Too community. I I promise you, I grow better when you stop beating me up every time I make a mistake. Anybody else? Right? And and what, what, what else, all right? Gifted service. This is a promise. When Jesus lives in us, he puts in us his character and his personality and his attitude, his mind. We start thinking and wanting things that he wants, all right? So that it can grow in us and then overflow out of us. That's just too much. So I'm gonna combine them all into one. Here's our new value, Flatirons. Spiritual formation. Let's live life and link arms together in a safe Me Too group. That's the best environment to train to know who Jesus really is so that he is formed in us. And then maybe if he's formed in us, maybe what comes out of us might be better. And maybe our marriages will last longer. And maybe our kids won't hate us. And maybe we can actually make a difference in this world if something changed inside of us. And the best place for that to happen is not in isolation, in a group. Now, here's what we're going to do, okay? So this is the longest service. You should come to the 4 o'clock on Saturday. It's so much shorter. But anyway, so, so here's what I'm going to do. All right, so I, I'm going to pray right now. And then there's no more music, right? I try to get them to play another JT song. They say no, right? whatever, right? So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to kick it back to all the local campuses because we have five campuses, and each one has its kind of its own thing, its own culture and things like that. And they're going to unpack a campus pastor or the, the group's person is going to come up here and go, here's what it means for us. And Lafayette, you know, you used to be like, the, you used to be Flatirons. And you know what? You're the Lafayette campus now. And you have four other ones. And then you have a, several hundred thousand online that are bigger than you. So just deal with that, all right? But anyway, here's what, it's, it's different in different parts of the country. You know, that one uh, that just, there's this little, this little group out here. There's, there's like 60 people meeting in, in, in the Bay Area right now listening to us. There's a bunch of people in Indiana who want us to take their church over. There's people all over, okay? And it looks different there. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have Dan Foote at Lafayette come up here in just a second. And then all, at all of our campus, we're gonna talk about what's, what's the next step. If you want to move closer to that, all right? Now, I'll tell you this. Our church is, we're embracing this. This fall, between now and this fall, we're going to do everything we can to say, if anybody wants a version of that, man, woman, married, single, couple, whatever that is for you, right? I want to be a part of that because I think maybe we might last. If I have something like that, we're going to make that so available to you, so important. It's, it's, it's all we're going to do. 
And so uh, if you want to become a part of that, Dan and one of the campus pastors are going to come and, and tell you a next, a next step. I'm going to pray, and then, I'm, then Dan's going to come here, or the pastor's going to come up here, and then when he's done, there's no more music. Go home. Watch ice skating. Whatever. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm sorry. Email Dan Foot. All right, so, um, so Lord, um, I'm going to ask you to do something that only you can do, all right? And that is... And I, and I totally get this. There are so many of us, men and women, and we've been in survival road and protection mode for so long. And the idea of actually cracking open our heart and, and risking it, we got burned before by church, by people. But I'm gonna ask you to do what only you can do, God. And that is just crack it open enough to let en enough of you in that we're willing to risk just a little bit because we, we, know, we know what we need, but are we willing to do it? Is it that important? Is that valuable to us? So God, move in this room, move in our campuses right now and bring us closer to you. Not in a big group, but maybe in a circle so we can really get to know you better. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.